0: Welcome to Hope for the Caregiver here on American Family Radio. I am Peter Rosenberger. This is the program for you as a family caregiver. How are you doing? What's going on with you? More than 65 million Americans right now currently serve as a family caregiver. If you're one of them, you are in the right place. People say, well, you know, I'm a nurse, so I'm a caregiver. Or I'm a parent, so I'm a caregiver. Well, the activities certainly intersect, And there's going to be a lot of similarities. But a family caregiver is different. Well, what's the difference? Okay, I'll tell you. I'm glad you asked. The difference is, is a family caregiver is somebody who voluntarily puts themselves between a chronically impaired, vulnerable loved one. And you're putting yourself between that person and even worse disaster. And you're doing it without pay. And usually without training. In fact, without a lot of skills prepared for it but you're just doing it because you're doing it out of love and yeah nurses are going to have a lot of the same activities cnas are going to have a lot of the same activities home health care aides are going to have a lot of the same activities but that's a career choice that is their job they get paid for it. they don't have to take it home with them unless they're a family caregiver taking care of somebody at home a parent will take care of children they'll do everything laundry and diapers and everything else a lot of things seem similar but that child is expected to grow up and become more independent and function as a healthy adult when you deal with somebody with a chronic impairment those expectations change if you have a special needs child for example you may not be able to look forward to little league games normal classroom experiences Homecoming dances, proms, weddings, living outside of the home and going on to have a, a family of their own. They may not be able to do it with a special needs child. Some can. Many cannot. When you're dealing with somebody who has had some type of stroke or some other type of trauma that has happened, Things aren't going to get better this side of heaven. And that's the journey for so many people, knowing that this is the way it's going to be. And we've got to learn to adjust our life to it. It's not necessarily bad, it's different and it's challenging and it requires different skill sets and different understandings and different activities. And it requires an adjustment of our minds and our hearts. And where does that come from? Well, certainly counseling helps. And, and there are all kinds of tips along the way we can learn based on the unique needs of our loved one. But what if you're dealing with somebody with an addiction or mental illness, alcoholism, all those kinds of things? You can learn a lot of tips in dealing with that, but when you have unpredictable behavior, you're going to have to learn more than just tips, aren't you? When you have behavior changes, you're going to have to learn more than just tips. You're going to learn things on a core level of who you are as a person, and it's going to change who you are. And again, that's not a bad thing. It's different, and it's challenging, and it requires outside help. And I have discovered in my many, many years of doing this that, there is help available out there, but a lot of times help coming from people, even counselors, pastors, and so forth, they don't quite know what to say. There's a language barrier, if you will. And there's a desire. Yeah, I mean, people want to help. I've, I've seen that over and over. They want to help. And they'll do things that are incredibly thoughtful. But there is a language barrier where the caregiver doesn't always know what help looks like. And the ones that are offering help don't always know what help looks like. And so it's kind of a a hit or miss kind of thing. You know, you're throwing darts, but there's no light on it, so you're doing it kind of in the dark. You may hit the target, but wouldn't it be more effective if you actually could see what you were throwing darts at, if you could see the target? Ten years ago this month, I sat down with a very large radio station in Nashville, Tennessee, a big iHeart station. It carried all the big talk shows, and it, it was right there on Music Road. It was a big station. And I laid out my pitch of what I was trying to accomplish. I said, I want to do a program for caregivers. And I sat across the table from ad executives there and so forth and program managers, and they said, you mean like nursing homes? I said no, caregivers, people who are making those decisions. People are are struggling with this. Special needs parents, and, uh, and I went through the litany. I said no, all, of, and they looked at me with kind of a blank look on their face, and they said, "We don't get it. We just don't think this is for us." I said, "Okay." So I went to a smaller station, and they put me on. It was a, a midday, once a week on a Wednesday. And I went down there, and they, it was a very, very small station. I think I could have reached more people if I'd gone out in my backyard and yelled. Uh, but that's okay. I, I did it, and I went and did it for uh, eight or nine months. And then the bigger station called me, WLAC, there in Nashville, 1510. And they called me. And they said, we've been listening to your program. We get it, and we think there's a place for you over here. And so I went on to that station, and. Did it for eight years. And then American Family Radio graciously extended the invitation for me to come on this network. They said, We get this. And we started doing this on a much larger scale. And then other networks picked up the show The Truth Network, His Radio, and so many, many others. Affiliates started picking up the program because they saw the need that individuals who are caring for these chronically impaired loved ones, and I don't care what the impairment is. Again, it could be autism. It could be addiction. It could be Alzheimer's. It doesn't matter. There's always a chronic impairment. There's always a caregiver. And they recognize that the ones who are taking care of these people in whatever way they could were in desperate need of someone to speak to them in a way they could understand And those caregivers were in desperate need of being able to learn a vocabulary of what help looks like. And that's why I do the program. I remember spending literally decades doing this. The first 20 years of my caregiving journey, struggling, and nobody really knew what to say to me. Nobody knew how to approach me. They, they tried, they were very sincere. They loved me. They wanted to care for me, but it couldn't penetrate in to what I call that fog of caregivers, that fear, that obligation, that guilt that we live with as caregivers. And they didn't know how to say things that, that got through that. And I didn't know how to penetrate out of that fog and speak in a way to to, to clearly ask for it. I, I couldn't identify my own core needs. And it took a lifetime for me to wrestle through this. And I remember how lonely it was and how frustrating it was and how resentful I became and how discouraged I became. And so when I set out to do this program, that's what I keep in mind because I know that I'm not the only one and that there are so many more who are struggling with these things. And I want them to be able to hear in a way they can understand what the gospel looks like in this sounds like, how you can wrap your arms around it, what it what it means to trust God with this. I want them to see a clear, defined path to safety, even if it's just for today, for this moment. And I wanted to be able to help others to be able to reach into the heartache of caregivers, to be elbows deep into it and communicate clearly, take that sincere desire that they had and marry it with understanding. Isolation is one of the most crippling things that we as caregivers face. And it's not just physical isolation, it's the emotional and spiritual isolation that we struggle with. This program is going into that isolation with the clear message of the gospel to help people understand what it means to trust in God through this. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is Hope for the Caregiver. We'll be right back.
1: Telling Bibleists, persecuted believers, no, that's one of the hardest things we do at Bible League. Hey, it's Michael Woolworth, and I want to give you an update on our campaign, Stand With Them. You know, Paul wrote, the persecuted, they may be persecuted, but they're not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. You know, for weeks we've been telling you about Christians who are praying for Bibles in order to endure and persevere. Ahmad is in Malaysia. He's a civil engineer, was beaten when he came to Christ. He's praying for a Bible. Adesh is in Nepal. He's a tour guide near the Himalayan mountains. He was beaten, but he's praying for a Bible in the Nepalese language. And then Einar is in Zimbabwe. She's a widowed mother of three. Her husband was killed by the Boko Haram regime. She's not praying for an end to her suffering. She's praying for a Bible. We're in the final few days of this effort to send God's word to 16,000 bible persecuted believers. We're short of this goal, and we need to wrap up in the coming days. So at $5 a Bible, $100 sends 20, will you call 800-YES-WORD? 800-YES-WORD. Or give at sendbiblesnow.org. Sendbiblesnow.org. I feel so hopeless. Hopeless.
2: Is there any hope? I I just feel like there's no hope at all.
1: Is there any hope?
2: hope? Get hope. Decisions are strategic
0: moments in our personal history.
2: That's TWR President Lauren Libby.
0: A decision is a choice of one or more multiple options or potential courses of action. King Saul in the Bible made some decisions to act in areas that were not authorized in his role as
3: king. He took on the role of a spiritual leader of the country, a role and function not
0: assigned to the king. And it was a disaster. You know, I've come to realize that decisions have consequences. This is where the rubber meets the Did I talk to Jesus, ask him to move circumstances and hearts of people, and then move out when the way forward is not clear? You know, these kinds of decisions bring
2: hope. Need more hope? We have resources waiting for you, including a free devotional. You'll find them at GetHoperadio.com. That's GetHoperadio.com.
0: Welcome back to Hope for the Caregiver here on American Family Radio. This is Peter Rosenberger. We're so glad you're with us. That is my wife, Gracie. From her CD, Resilient, you all have sent me so many notes. This audience is so awesome. You guys care for us. You pray for us. I get all these notes, uh, and I'm very, very grateful. And you've asked about how she's doing, and uh, she, she's had a hard year. Um, last year, this time, um, she fell and broke her leg, or broke her femur. Um, she has two prosthetic legs for those you don't know her. And then as she was recovering from all that and a pretty big surgery to fix that, it was a pretty, pretty rough break. And then she uh, lost her mother and then she had this big back surgery scheduled in January and she was in the hospital for 10 weeks. And so it's been a, been a hard year for her and she's no stranger to hard years, but this has been a particularly difficult year. For thank you for your prayers. She is getting better. It's just very very slow. Um, she's out walking uh, with the help of um her physical therapist and is pushing herself. Um it's just it's just a slow process of recovery for her. And I know this audience gets that. I will tell you that uh she is looking forward to getting back in the studio and singing some more. She's got some great songs that We've been working on the tracks for and and I've got some wonderful players in Nashville that are putting together some tracks, and then she'll get into a, a studio that a friend of ours has out here in Montana, and she'll lay down the vocals, and I can't wait for you to hear some of these songs. So that will be forthcoming. If you can just bear with us, it's just been a, a difficult journey for her, but she's tough, and she is resilient. We're returning to Denver for a follow-up visit with her neurosurgeon and, and her physical therapist here in Montana said, Please ask if I can push her a little harder. <laughs> so Gracie looked at me. She's like, oh, my goodness. But uh, it's time, and we hope that that he'll clear her, say that the fusion and all for her back is strong enough that she can start doing some more activities. Thank you for your continued prayer on that, and uh, I would ask that you lift her up. She lives with a lot of pain, and she wrestles with it daily, and sometimes it gets the best of her. And so uh, we, we do ask for continued prayer for both of us. You know, in trauma, the clock is the adversary, but in caregiving, it's the calendar. You know, these things take a long time. Healing takes a long time. There's a longevity to what we do as caregivers. You know, and emergencies demand an immediate response. But Quick actions from caregivers can often result in several battles on multiple fronts. And tell me if I hit the target with this one. Nothing stretches a caregiver too thin like rushing to a crisis while already embroiled in one. Did you ever see that movie, um, The Mask of Zorro? It was um, Anthony Hopkins and oh, I cannot believe the guy's name escaped me. Antonio Banderas, that was it, Antonio Banderas. Okay, so he wants to rush off and avenge his brother's death against this very, very bad guy. And at this point, Don Diego, played by Anthony Hopkins, intercepts him, and he stops him from going off to take his revenge on this guy because he knows he's not ready. He's ill-equipped and he's rushing off to battle, and he says this wonderful line. Oh, yes, my friend, you would have fought very bravely and died very quickly. Does that, does that resonate with you as a caregiver? We fight very bravely and die very quickly. You know, we, we, we rush into these things, and you can't do that as caregivers. You've, you've got to pace yourself. In the long journey of caregiving, caregivers benefit from incorporating what I call discretionary valor. Discretionary valor. For many caregivers, including me, the default is to hurl ourselves or our opinions recklessly at situations that require neither. Being still often takes an enormous discipline, and it's And being still is his own form of bravery. I mean, think about all the scriptures that talk about being still. How many times did God tell his people to be still? Be still and know that I am God. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Remember in in the Garden of Gethsemane, you know, Peter went and cut off Malchus's ear. And Jesus told him to put his sword away. Be still. This isn't your battle to fight. You don't have to rush into this. How many times have we, think about yourself here, thinking about the times I have, rushed into situations recklessly? And I have offered my opinion. I've opened up my mouth when I shouldn't have. should have just been quiet, been still. Some may not recognize it. But knowing when or when not to act often reflects extraordinary wisdom and courage. Now, people, again, may not validate that. Some people may think, well, you're just being quiet. You're just, you, you know, you're slow, or you don't have anything to offer. But, but sometimes what we have to offer is just learning to be still and to be quiet and to use some discretion. And it takes a lot of bravery to use discretion in times like this, particularly when there's a crisis brewing on any given day. It's, it's hard to stay at one's post when it seems that everything is falling apart. You just want to rush around and start fixing things. Is that right? Am I, am I speaking to the right crowd here? Yet one's metal, M-E-T-T-L-E, is often tested by not interfering when things get dicey. Sometimes others need to experience failure in order to grow. Should I say that one more time? Sometimes others need to experience failure in order to grow. And if we hamper that experience, it inhibits their growth. Sometimes you and I need to experience failure in order to grow as caregivers, and if people intercept us and hamper that, we're not going to grow. We're going to have to keep repeating that same lesson until we get it. Although it's not often valued, discretionary valor remains one of the most critical attributes a caregiver can utilize. While soldiers receive medals reflecting bravery under duress, Our medals for discretionary valor appear differently. We're not going to wear them pinned on our uniform, on our chest. But we do get awards for this. You know what they look like? They look like peace of mind. That's an award that you get for discretionary valor, peace of mind. You know what another one is? Less drama. That's an award you get for discretionary valor. You know what another one is? A good night's sleep. (laughs) A good night's sleep. That's learning to control your own thoughts, words, and deeds and not insert them into a situation that doesn't require them. And it takes a lot of work, a lot of discipline, and a lot of trust that God is working in this and doesn't need you to jump in. There's an old saying I I like. It says, don't just do something, stand there. (laughs) Don't just do something, stand there. It sounds counterintuitive, but is it? It seems to line up with so much of what Scripture states over and over and over. In fact, that's what that hymn, Be Still My Soul, reflects. Remember I told you I think I'm going to do 25 hymns that everybody ought to know. (laughs) And Last week it was there as a Redeemer, but this week I think I'll do Be Still My Soul, Producer Pat, would you play Gracie singing this?
4: Be still my soul The Lord is on thy side Bear patiently the cross of grief or pain leave to thy god to toward...
0: extraordinary look at that lyric leave to thy God to order and provide that sounds an awful lot like learning to be still and take your hands off a situation you know there's a reason these hymns have endured for hundreds of years some of them it's because they have plumbed the depth of what the core issue is for all of us and again go back to what I talked about in the last block Is the core issue learning all these tips as caregivers? Is it caregiving task? Is that really what the core issue is? Or is it learning to be in control of our own thoughts, words, and deeds? Is it learning for us to use discipline and discretion and wisdom and stillness and trust? Even in the midst of the craziness, I know it is hard to stay at your post when everything looks like it's falling apart and getting really gnarly. Yet that is what we often find is the most appropriate thing to do is to be still. And let me clarify, being still doesn't mean we just sit there in front of the television or just sit in a chair. We can be still while doing tasks as caregivers. Being still is a matter of our spirits. Of our heart of trusting that God is responsible for results here. We are stewards. And so therefore we can trust Him. And we don't have to run into every battle that we see. We don't have to go to every fight that we get a ticket to. We can just be still and leave to thy God to order and decide, as the great hymn says. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is Hope for the Caregiver, Hope for the Caregiver.com. Got a great interview with Robbie Dilmore, the Christian car guy, coming up next. Don't go away. We'll be right back. We are His children. We are chosen. If we're Christians, we belong to the royal family. Can I get a witness? And we should know that so that we can know how important it is to live up to who we are. Dr. David Jeremiah continues his series, Christ Above All, next
2: time on Turning Point. 5.30 a.m. and 7 p.m. Central on American Family Radio. Hi, this
3: is Pastor Robert Morris. I'm often asked, how do I grow in my relationship with the Lord? How do I hear God? What is God's plan and purpose for me? I want to personally invite you to join me on Sunday mornings right here on AFR for Worship and the Word, and we will discover the answer to these questions together. We'll explore the truths found in God's Word that will help you strengthen your faith and develop a more intimate relationship with Him.
2: Hi, I'm Steve Tiber with 8 Days of Hope. 8 Days of Hope exists to love and serve those in need. Over the past 15 years, over 40,000 volunteers have helped 7,000 families rebuild their homes for free after natural disasters. We've also renovated and rebuilt facilities to bring hope and healing to those rescued from sex trafficking. Our rapid response ministry is busier than ever. With 40 deployments over the last four years, we've been able to minister to so many when it mattered most. It's completely free to serve with us. We provide your food and lodging when you volunteer. There's countless opportunities for any skill set and any skill level. We spend multiple weeks with those that have lost so much by cutting trees, tarping roofs, mucking out houses, and so much more. Consider joining us on our next outreach. You will never be the same. For more information about 8 Days of Hope, please go to 8daysofhope.com. That's 8daysofhope.com.
0: Welcome back to Hope for the Caregiver here on American Family Radio. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is the program for you as a family caregiver. Hopeforthecaregiver.com. If you want more information, you want to let us know what's on your heart, your mind, hopeforthecaregiver.com. I have a longtime friend and quasi-mentor. I say quasi-mentor for his benefit because he doesn't want to take the blame. Uh, But he has been (laughs) instrumental in helping me with radio and broadcasting and podcasting for a very long time. He is known throughout the Fruited Plains as the Christian car guy. He's Robbie Dilmore, and he is from North Carolina, Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And so, Robbie, I am glad to have you here.
3: I have waited for years to be invited (laughs) to be on your show, Peter.
0: Waited, is that the right word you want to use? Wait <laughs> that you've waited or you've held your <laughs> breath, hoping you wouldn't be no robbie uh Robbie's been just super encouraging to me, and he brings this i mean Robbie, how long have you been in radio about twenty years now so oh, you wow. you bring a wealth of experience and you before we get into all the the car stuff that you do. Uh, because you have a, a lengthy history of, of being able to speak to car issues and a, from a biblical perspective. Please don't tell the joke about they were all in one accord, Robbie. I'll just yeah, go ahead and get that I'm out of the way one. now. Sure. You're a caregiver, too, and you have... St-
3: <laughs> I got one step, Peter, I got taken off of a, a whole group of stations in New York, like six of them, for, uh, for telling that joke. So I, I, I don't ever tell it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, uh, uh, for that, we're grateful, too. I, I, I preempted it for you. You're a caregiver, and you've, yeah. been, you've been in this world now uh, for some time, and it's been illuminating for you, hasn't it?
3: Oh, my gosh, yes. Um, you know, first, actually, with my father. Um, we, we cared for him the last year and a half of his life and um, learned many Hard lessons right there, and then for the last three years with my mother-in-law, um, where really more the burden of that one is on my wife, and wow, it's 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 been a test. Uh, as a matter of fact, she is one of your biggest fans and listens to your podcast every night. She often reminds me of what a gift you are.
0: <laughs> well, uh, that's said very few people ever. No, I, I appreciate that. I, I'm glad that we're able to, to be a source of encouragement to her because it is a hard thing. As you are watching your wife struggle caring for her mother, um, what, where does that take you? Uh, what, what have you learned about uh, a Christian marriage and husbands loving their wives and, and all these things as you've watched this unfold?
3: This is going to sound really strange, <laughs> but it's actually true. That due to the very complex relationship of my wife with her mother, her mother um, was very abusive most of her life and continues to be, honestly. Uh, even in the latter parts of her life, she was an alcoholic and all sorts of you know, other things that were challenging. And, and so. My wife's being a caregiver from her mother has actually brought us, I think, closer than we ever have been from a standpoint, and I hate to even use this word, but we kind of have a common enemy.
0: Uh, how about adversary? Adversary. it.
3: You know, I don't mean to say, I mean, I love my mother-in-law, and I help her every single day in all sorts of different ways, but because my my wife only has me to you know, to an extent to come to with all the things that she said to her yesterday and all the stuff that happened and, and all that, and maybe the word adversary is better, but I think you know what I'm saying, that I do. we we had just been drawn together as we faced this foe that we realized that, you know, it, it's her behavior that we have a struggle with, that she's you know, obviously listened to the adversary for years and years and years, and so she she easily falls to that, although I believe that, that, that she is now a believer. She made a confession a couple, you know, maybe 10 years ago. And we feel like she's making progress, but it's a hard road. And and but I will tell you that it has really brought my wife closer than I, we've ever been, really. And we were close before, but we've really, you know, she she talks to me a lot, and I talk to her a lot about that whole situation. Is that weird? I guess it uh, is.
0: No, it's not, because I've had a lot of folks that have called in to this program and struggled with alcoholic family members who are now in need of full-time care, and the wounds that were created by addiction and all those behaviors that flow from it are not easily healed, and some never get healed this side of heaven and it's uh it's a real thing and and there are family members who are struggling with abusive parents that they're now having to care for, and yet they're unresolved issues and so they uh and they, and then I know plenty of them that are being cursed at and yelled at and der- berated while they're caring for them and it's a very hard thing to do
3: that's a daily believe me in my household it's 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 almost unbelievable the things that she says to Tammy every day, but and maybe I, as I've had a chance to think about it, we have a common enemy in Satan who has her mother's attention a great deal of the time. That's probably a better way to put it. Because, I mean, that is, I mean, it was this morning my wife was telling me, um, you know, how her mother just called her in the room and told her how she needs to be ashamed of herself for this, 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 and this, 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 and shame on you and shame on you, you know, for all these things that she really um, was responsible for. You know, it's just, it's a challenge. But I, I feel like, man, I'm so glad I can be there for my wife through this because it is a really difficult time.
0: How do you help lift all that off of her? Because I know she walks out of that room sometimes with her shoulders sagging. How do you how do you help lift that off of her?
3: She knows. <laughs> she She's going to come tell me. And and I think to some extent just to have somebody to vent and know, you know, you, it's, as a husband, I, I, I'm having to learn, I can't fix this. You know, I want to fix it. I want to go in there and tell my mother-in-law all sorts of stuff. But actually that exasperates the situation, makes it worse. And so, you know what, I, I, I just have to listen and love on her, and tell her, "Honey, you know better than this." And know that, you know, she doesn't know what she's talking about, and don't take that, and don't take that shame, and 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 pray a lot, <laughs> a lot.
0: That's exactly what you do is is you 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 re, you release them from that because um, the disease is has its own voice in this dysfunction, and it will do horrific things. And I, I had a guy call in one time, I remember, and he was struggling with how do I honor my father like Scripture tells me to, and yet he's so abusive with because of his alcoholism and everything else. I said, well, Scripture says to honor your mother and father. It doesn't say to honor alcoholism or Alzheimer's or any other cognitively impairing disease that creates its own dysfunction. You're not there to placate all the things that come out of someone's mouth under the influence of an addiction or a cognitively impairing uh, disease. And so your wife is is right to come back to you, let it tell you, and then the two of you pray through it and recognize that all of that is symptomatic of this great dysfunction of sin that has gripped this entire world and creation since the fall. And uh, so I, I think that is uh, extraordinary how you guys have pulled together with this, and I applaud you for doing it.
3: Yeah, it's it's, an, it's a challenge because like this last night when I came home, you know, Tammy had left her upstairs, and she is on oxygen, and she'd come down the stairs without her oxygen. She has a, like a little chair that rides her down the stairs, and she's sitting there with a power cord to her oxygen in one hand and her phone, and she, first of all, didn't even know who I was. She was like, Tammy, and I said, no, I'm not Tammy, I'm Robbie. And she goes, I need help, I need help. I said, what do you need help with? I can't breathe. I said, well, where's your oxygen? She said, I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's at it, 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 times like that, she's extremely vulnerable and definitely needs the care. And I felt so glad I was in that situation to help her and that kind of thing. And and so it it, it, it is an honor to some extent to be able to, be there for somebody like that? And, and, but then at other times, it's very difficult.
0: <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, I do. And you, uh, I had a great conversation with Rob Morgan a couple of weeks ago, and he talked about caring for his wife. And he said something, and I've repeated it for several shows now because it was such a profound moment. He took care of his wife for 25 years through MS. And he said, you grieve incrementally every day. And there's, wow. there's loss every day, incremental loss every day leading up to where you know this is going. And that's a hard thing. That's a hard thing. And my hope and prayer for not only Tammy, but myself and all of us as caregivers and you, is that when we do stand at a cemetery, and hopefully we're the ones standing, not because we don't want to, I mean, go be with the Lord, but we just don't want our loved one to have to live without us being there. But when we stand at that grave, that we do so without clenched fists at our loved one, ourselves, others, doctors, God. Uh, we, do, we can live peacefully with these very, very difficult circumstances, but we cannot do it apart from Christ. I am convinced of that after 36 years. I cannot do it. And, I, you know, if other people want to try a different path, I can't stop them from— that I can just tell you from my own experience that it is that peace of God that surpasses all understanding, uh, that guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And right now, you and your wife's hearts and minds need to be guarded, don't they?
3: Yeah, it, when you think about it, it's it's a fascinating. You know, David said in the 119th Psalm, you know, seven times a day I'll praise you because of your righteous judgment. Like, what? <laughs> But the idea is all these things that are happening that are literally judgment are God's way of perfecting us through struggle. Like, this is a strain. This is a hard, hard thing. But clearly, you know, this is part of what he had for Tammy and I in order to get where he had for us. And it's just a fascinating time. And, and like they all say, you know, it's the worst of times. It's the best of times because it is driving us to where, you know, we're beyond ourselves and in our weakness. You know, we got to cry out for help because we got no help.
0: Indeed. We're talking with Robbie Dilmore. He is the Christian car guy. He's going to give us some car tips here after the break. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is Hope for the Caregiver. We'll be right back.
5: Have you ever struggled to trust God when lousy things happen to you? I'm Gracie Rosenberger, and in 1983, I experienced a horrific car accident leading to 80 surgeries, and both legs amputated. I questioned why God allowed something so brutal to happen to me, but over time, my questions changed, and I discovered courage to trust God. That understanding, along with an appreciation for quality prosthetic limbs, led me to establish Standing with Hope. For more than a dozen years, we've been working with the government of Ghana and West Africa, equipping and training local workers to build and maintain quality prosthetic limbs for their own people. On a regular basis, we purchase and ship equipment and supplies, and with the help of inmates in a tennessee prison we also recycle parts from donated limbs all of this is to point others to christ the source of my hope and strength please visit standingwithhope.com to learn more and participate in lifting others up that's standingwithhope.com i'm gracie and i am standing with hope
2: the raising godly boys minute with mark hancock
1: The next time you're at Walmart or Hobby Lobby, spend about 20 bucks on a nice set of colored markers and a half dozen assorted poster boards. Then stash them in secret at home. In the next year or so, I guarantee it, your son is gonna come to you as bedtime approaches with a look of terror on his face. I need to make a poster for school that's due tomorrow. You could say, too bad, too sad, hope you learned a lesson. Or you could race to the 24 hour drugstore and pay triple for those supplies. Or you could magically produce them from your hidden stash. He'll be grateful and amazed. And you'll have that rare and wonderful feeling of being a hero to your son. For more
2: encouragement, parenting advice, visit Trail USA or RaisingGodlyBoys.com. Download free resources to help you at RaisingGodlyBoys.com. RaisingGodlyBoys.com.
0: Welcome back to Hope for the Caregiver. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is the program for you as a family caregiver. Healthy caregivers make better caregivers. But what does healthiness look like for us as caregivers? It looks like being in a better path financially, emotionally, spiritually, professionally, relationship-wise. All of these things, because if we go down in any of these areas, what's going to happen to our loved one? It's not enough to just... Have a good diet and be healthy physically. We need to be healthy fiscally, but what does that mean? And that's those are the things we get into this program. And then one of the things I want to address is being healthy automotively, <laughs> and that's why I have Robbie Dilmore on with the line with me here. He is the Christian car guy, and you know, Robbie, I want to jump right into this. And I appreciate all the stuff you talked about in the last block about your journey as a caregiver, the the challenges it is on you and your wife. I want to pivot just a little bit to the reality that we have very high gas prices, that we have very high inflation, costs are everything. What are some ways that you know you are the Christian car guy and you have this massive following of people who talk all things automotive. What are some things that people are doing that they should not be doing uh, that is potentially wasting a good bit of gas, which is money. That's not gas. It's money. And how can we help rein that in a little bit?
3: So I have these, you know, talk on my show quite frequently because a lot of people are definitely concerned about the price of gas, and that is something that, um, you know, we can all be talking about what we could not be doing. And, and since we do work quite a bit with caregivers on the Jesus Labor Love, that's part of the Christian Car Guy show where we help out single moms, widows, and families in crisis. So a lot of those widows and other people are caregivers. And, and so the number one tip that I actually have to save gas is to pray and ask God, is this a trip I even really need to take? Would it be possible that some other service in my town, you know, like we have— all sorts of county help that will actually take um, people that need doctor's appointments and that kind of stuff for absolute free. And so one of the resources that's out there that, that a lot of people don't realize they can take advantage of is services like, you know, ours is called Wyvetti out here. It's just, you know, an acronym for the county that they're in, Yadkin County. and And they will... You know, take your loved one to the doctor's appointment. You can go with them, and they. And again, who's paying for the gas? They are. Are you familiar with that, Peter?
0: I am familiar with some of those out here in Montana, though, where I live now. We don't have a lot of those services. We don't have Uber. We have Goober, and it's you know, <laughs> dog sleds are involved and uh, covered wagons. It's uh, so it's a little bit different way to rural area where I live. But I, I am familiar with those things. Uh, back east, we have a lot of those with my folks that are um, still living in South Carolina, and some of those things as well. What are some other things they can do to your? Car, you, we can do to our cars.
3: Okay, so the other thing. Well, the number two list on my list of ways to save gas is to just simply give yourself more margin. Leave sooner. Get up earlier, because if if you if you drive when there's less traffic there's not as much stop and go and you save money on gas and so a lot of people give themselves no margin that makes them in a hurry and that hurry makes you burn gas it's just it's a horrible thing you'd be shocked at how much you can save by just leaving sooner the next thing you can do and for most people they've got way too much stuff in their car um that Would you believe that the manufacturers will spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to reduce a pound or two? The whole reason we have miniature spares instead of full-size spares is they're lighter weight. And they realize that when you're carrying around extra weight, just think if you're on a bicycle and you put extra 30 pounds on it, how much harder it is to pedal? Well, that's the whole idea behind your car. So when you're carrying around all that water in the back seat, or a bunch of books, or whatever it is you got, um, getting rid of that stuff out of your car is literally costing you tons of gas you never even thought about. So there's one big deal. And, and then, of course, there's always now days with all the heat. <laughs> I'm sure you're experiencing that even in Montana. So I've had this that I've said for years, you know, when you're in town, you know, if you keep your windows down, believe it or not, it's, it's more efficient but over fifty it's not thrifty. In other words, your windows down if you're going over fifty miles an hour is actually costing you aerodynamic wise. So like I say, in town keep them down over fifty, it's
0: not thrifty. <laughs> <laughs> did you did you come up with that all by yourself?
3: I did. Can you tell? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, yes, I actually can tell. <laughs>
3: The other thing that that a lot of people, especially if they're going on vacation right now, oh, my gosh, people realize how much those roof rack things or carriers or bike racks, all those things, they ruin the aerodynamics of a car. And over 50 miles an hour, almost 80 percent of the horsepower is being used to move air. And so anything you can do to make your car more slip through the air is going to really help you on the highway. And so, you know, if you can possibly make that trip without the roof rack, oh, boy, will it save you some money. There you go. There's some tips.
0: <laughs> just out of curiosity, because my, my son noticed this the other day, and I, don't, I never used the roof rack. Should I just take the whole rack off? Does that affect anything, or is that?
3: Yes, yes. If you've got those cross members, most, most roof racks, you can take the cross members off, and you should if you've got them. Because, again, they're, they're just pushing air that doesn't need to be pushed.
0: You know, so we look at gas as Okay, we go buy it, but that, that's actually currency. That's money, and let's look for ways to save it. You know, out here, we live in a place where the speed limit's a little bit higher. Robbie, what does the speed limit do? I mean, what, what, when you're speeding and you go over a certain amount, you're burning lots more fuel. Is that correct?
3: Yeah, that's why they changed the speed limits to 55 back in the day. Um, so, yeah, it, it speeding... Uh, At one point in time, I I used to do the calculation. It it costs billions of dollars across the country and uses so much fuel, it's unbelievable because, you know, essentially that extra five miles an hour that you're going over the speed limit or whatever is costing you, you know, literally like two or three miles to the gallon. And when you figure that into you know, two or three weeks, you're going to see it's a lot of money these days at $6 a gallon or whatever fuel is out there.
0: What about trucks with letting the tailgate down? Talk about that a little bit.
3: Yeah, that's a great example of a thing most people don't understand about the aerodynamics of automobiles is that there's there's two places where you save gas money. The one is where they originally impact the air. In other words, how quickly they the two airflows, one goes over the top of the car and one goes underneath the car. And so as quickly as they can separate those two airflows, the better the aerodynamics of the car is. But then where the two airflows come back together, the further behind the car, the better the fuel economy is. And that was why that, you know, you remember when they had the Ford Thunderbird that they talked about the ducktail it was beautiful the way the wind would come together after the car. So when you take the tailgate down in a truck, you're sending that airflow right back together with the airflow under the car, which actually creates a vacuum pulling the truck backwards. And so by leaving the tailgate up, in fact, you'll see there's a lot of spoilers on the back of tailgates these days, and that's in an effort to get that the airflow to be as far behind the car as possible when those two streams come back together.
0: You know, I first noticed that when you see the big tractor trailers hauling the long haulers and they had those panels that they would extend out behind the truck, kind of formed a kind of a cone behind the truck. Right. You know what I'm talking about?
3: Exactly. That is exactly.
0: Talk about air pressure in your tires.
3: Yeah. <laughs> you know, actually, I would find the maximum that like my wife's car is maximum air pressure is 36 pounds and we run it at 36 pounds because it's like, you want to try and experiment, go out there on your bicycle and lower the air pressure on your bicycle. Go try to pedal versus if you fill the tires all the way, there's no comparison um, as to how much gas you lose when you run low tire pressure. And so those people that are, you know, Trying to get the ultimate mileage are obviously going to run at the maximum tire pressure, but don't take that too far because it's terribly dangerous to overinflate your tires on all sorts of levels. Uh, number one, just when you do it, you stand the chance. I had a friend that was killed by overinflating a tire, so you don't want to do that. Just you know, if the tire were to explode but then also if you have a blowout on the highway it's not worth it but I all mean if it's rated and it's right there usually on the door post it'll show you what the maximum tire pressure is for your car and I would definitely run the maximum
0: well these are good tips here and Robbie it's always a pleasure to have you here and thank you for all that you've done to help my program and the podcast and the broadcast everything that I've done over the years and I am very grateful. If people want to find out more about you what's the best way to do that
3: christiancarguy.com is my website and you know there it has about all all about me about my different radio shows and all that stuff at christiancarguy.com
0: christiancarguy.com it's Robbie Dilmore and Robbie you are you, it's national treasure Robbie Dilmore national treasure <laughs> Robbie Dilmore the christian car guy If you have any questions about your vehicle, if you're transporting a loved one, if you're having a wheelchair mounted on the back or any type of uh, adaptive devices for uh, disabilities and so forth, please reach out to Robbie. He's the guy. He knows all these things, and he will be glad to talk with you about it. may even talk with you about it on his program. Because if you're dealing with it, a bunch of people are too. Hopeforthecaregiver.com. Go to the Christian car Christiancarguy.com for more on Robbie. And Robbie, thanks as always for being a part of the program today. I was honored. Thank you, Peter. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is Hope for the Caregiver. Hopeforthecaregiver.com. We'll see you next week.